Dash Dollars. I didn't. Do we do an intro? No, it's like bracket ball. You just uh, rush into it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that works. Bracket ball. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closets by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, joined this week again by St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports columnist Ben Fredrickson. Ben, we're back in St. Louis. How are you feeling? I'm good, man. Uh, I've been or doing St. Louis my, area. Uh, I'm doing my daily. You don't have to do that. <laughs> I'm doing my daily um, Corona check, and so far, so good. And I don't think we made it through. At least, at least, fingers crossed. It hasn't been two weeks. Correct. Yeah, I think we're. I was trying to figure this out. We're out of the. Uh, we're out of concern for the first flight. Are we in? And we're still in for the second flight. So it's still questions to ask. But you know, have to be careful. That's all. Yeah, I feel good. And uh, flying was interesting, but we got to see some playoff baseball. So all things. Uh, all things good. The, the playoffs have been interesting to watch from from back home. Uh, I feel How like so. It's a tour of uh, former Cardinals. It's very, very interesting. I feel like Cardinals fans have picked up on this, that there are some prominent, uh, prominent former old friends who are doing big things in other places. Have you heard about this? I have. I have. It's been hard to miss. What has stood out most to you? I mean, is there is there a performance that you're like, oh, whoa? Well, you know, I I like to see Luke Voigt have success. I, I think it's, he's fun. I like covering him. I like I like I just like his story. And I think he's a cool guy. So that's been cool to see. Rosarena has been really fascinating to me. Um, those two guys are probably the most interesting. Um, mm-hmm. We knew Bam was a good player. That's not all that surprising. We knew that Marcelo Zuno was a streaky hitter. Um, we, we saw clearly that he seems to have a better fit in Atlanta, although he hasn't done a ton um, in the postseason so far. So really it's been Voight and Rosarena, and the fact that they're playing together makes it makes it really fascinating. Um, you know, looking back, the one that you kind of, I think Cardinals fans kicked themselves over and get steamed at the organization about has to be a Rosarena because of the outfield situation this year and how it struggled. However, you know, it's kind of still an incomplete grade at this time because of, uh, you know, the upside and unknown right now of Matthew Libertor, which is supposed to be really good. So, um, it's small sample size theater, but clearly a Rosarena, I think without, uh, exaggerating has been you know one of the most exciting players of the postseason for sure may i make a counterpoint that like i understand where people are saying like well wait 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 or even the organization could say well wait 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 you might have a starter in libertor right okay you're not lacking for starters what you are lacking for is outfielders and at what point in time do you put the thumb on the scale that you're like well we have to figure out how to be better at either identifying or utilizing outfielders because the pitching thing, they got figured out. And so is Libertor going to be that much better than everybody else? Maybe, maybe, but you know, the Cardinals have done pretty well with pitching without like a superstar prospect, you know, number two guy, you know, lefty. They've, they've found those guys, um, you know, but they haven't for outfielders. And so shouldn't that factor into the Rosarena discussion that like, yeah, okay, you might end up with the better player in the trade, but that doesn't fit your need better. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a totally fair point. And and the, the, the other thing is, you know, the fact that when you, this entire Cardinals season was built around giving, creating opportunity for these outfielders that the Cardinals bet big on, and it, there's evidence now that they that they at least in one example bet big on the wrong guys. 
I mean, that's the thing I think that drives people crazy about a Rosarena. Look, he, you know, Marcelo Zuna got two seasons here to be the guy he was in Atlanta and he wasn't. So that's either on the Cardinals hitting instruction or it's on Marcelo Zuna for only hitting in certain lineups or, or whatever. Um, but a Rosarena only got, you know, what, 20 at bats as a Cardinal at the major yeah, league man. level after hitting everywhere in the minors, as you documented this week. And even in those at bats that he got in St. Louis, he, he averaged 300 and slugged 500. I mean, he had, he had six hits and 20 at bats with the home run. He did nothing just not to, to say he did nothing except scream, give me more chances. And the Cardinals right. decided that that they knew what he was going to be and that they wanted to, you know, deal him in in a in, in a package that that they felt like was going to maximize his value. Well, now he here he is with with it's still small sample size, 60, but that's that's three times the amount of at bats. This this shortened season that he got with the Cardinals, and what did he do? Slug six forty one and became uh, and became a breakout star for the the Rays in the postseason. So you know, yeah, when you compare that to what Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas did this season, it does uh, sting. And and you're right, the Cardinals do seem to have pitching falling out of the trees um, left and right, and and it makes you wonder why did they package this guy for for a deal that got a pitcher. It makes you wonder if they could have packaged one of the other outfielders in a deal that uh, that got Matthew Libertor. Now, maybe they couldn't have. They could not. Or bust. Yeah. But then again, yeah, it makes you wonder, not. why did the Rays see what they saw in Rose Arena and the Cardinals didn't? You know, that's the thing with, that's the thing with Voight. Look, the Cardinals got a really solid, rock-solid reliever in, in Giovanni Gallegos. It was pretty much a Gallegos for Voight trade because Jason Tree was, was a bust. And, and you can make a case that with Goldschmidt, the Cardinals are better off. However, I think it's pretty clear the Yankees saw something in Voight the Cardinals never did. And did they? Part of that is the stadium, you know, but, but still, clearly, when you listen to Cashman and read his quotes about Voight, they saw something in him that the Cardinals didn't think he could do. And now but they also saw a guy Bird. who was going to be back up to Greg Bird. Well, they gave him the opportunity to be more than that, and he certainly has been. Yeah. I mean, that's well, I, he never I think here. he deserves credit for that is seizing it and, and just not letting go. Like he saw a seam and, and took it and, and, you know, Greg birds now got a minor league deal with the Phillies, but in, I, I think Voight deserves a lot of credit. I don't know if, you know, the Yankees deserve, they can say they can take it, but I'm not sure like the Yankees could say, well, we saw a secret sauce in him that, uh, you know, that, or our secret sauce revealed a hitter in him that they, no one else could have. It's a little bit like, um, you know, the, the Cardinals with, you know, I mean, they had a litany of guys like Brian Ludwig, who they signed as a six year free agent and goes on to be an all-star dude. I mean, at some point in time, you have to credit the player too. Oh, I'm not taking credit away from him. He's, he's, he's changed his body, gotten slimmer, bet, become a better defensive player at, at first base. But when you listen Altered to what his Cash, swing, when you listen to what Cashman says, he, he said they tried to get him multiple times and that they yeah. saw a player that they could, you know, that could excel with them and, in their stadium. So I mean, maybe that's revisionist history on his part, but it sure sounds like they, they had reasons to believe that they thought he would be a good fit. You know, I can remember the Cardinals saying they had reasons to, to think Jason Shreve was going to be a good fit. They felt like right. his home run problems were going to disappear at Bush stadium. So there are, you know, teams, as you know, see guys and think, Hey, that could play differently here. Um, the Cardinals made a, made a unwise choice in, in, in Shreve. The Yankees made a good one in Voight, and the Cardinals also made a good one in, in Gallegos. So, you know, I guess you have to you have to play revisionist history and go back and wonder how things would have played out if Voight would have had this emergence 
here in St. Louis, and maybe he could not have. But uh, clearly, I think it was it's pretty obvious now that the Cardinals didn't think he was going to do this. Ben, let's pause real quickly so people can hear from our sponsor, the sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. Imagine your home totally organized. Closet by Design specializes in custom closets, pantries, laundry rooms, garages, and more. Now get 40% off plus an additional 15% off. Closet by Design of St. Louis, 314-733-9855. That's Closet by Design, 314-733-9855. The official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. So how should people then kind of measure these trades because I, I think they got to be graded on a scale and that there should be some lean towards the fact that the Cardinals have struggled to find offense, particularly outfield offense. You and I have both, we can, we can list the numbers. The Cardinals have had the least productive outfield of any team in the playoffs. Again, for the second consecutive year, they, the lineup overall had the lowest slugging percentage entering the playoffs. And that was coming out of a division where very few teams hit. Um, and that's, that's a riddle to figure out as well. So I think it should be graded on a curve, but how would you grade it? Like, I mean, do you think, okay, well, Hey, you know, the Gallegos Voigt deal is one that, Hey, is probably a win-win for both the Rosa Reina deal. The Libertor deal is one that is yet to be determined because it's incomplete. Uh, how, how do you kind of look at these? Well, I think they're compounded by the fact the state of the current outfield. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. the, time, the timing is painful if you're if you're you know analyzing them from the the Cardinals end, and I think that's really the discussion. It's kind of like a three pronged question. One is, did the other team see something the Cardinals missed? That's and the Cardinals need to answer that you know internally. Two is, what why were some of the projections the Cardinals had maybe off? But I think the biggest one might be, might be why are guys playing better? Why are guys hitting better elsewhere than they are here in St. Louis? And that's not a trade discussion because Ozuna is an example of that. Is he a product of his lineup, or was he not getting something that was something not being unlocked within him that is being unlocked in Miami and Atlanta? Um, you know, similar for for some other guys, and you know, it wouldn't be. Would it be based on how things have gone? Would it be nuts if if the if the Cardinals do finally, and I think they should, cut ties or move on from Tyler O'Neill, and he goes off and plays better somewhere else? Maybe not to the level of that we've seen from some of these guys, but you know what? Why aren't the Cardinals getting the best out of some of these players offensively? I think is probably the the biggest question, and it's just being the volume on it is just being turned up by by the fact that there are these guys doing these things in postseasons elsewhere. And, and you got to be careful to limit the conversation to guys that actually apply too, because I'm seeing people throw out names like, well, Randall Gritchick and, and Stephen Piscotty. Well, Randall Gritchick's the same guy in Toronto that he was here. He just mm-hmm. plays all the time. And that means more homers, but it, it, the numbers are pretty much the same. You know, Piscotty has struck, Piscotty struggled, you know, this season, he's been more or less the same guy. There've been ups and downs, but people wouldn't be happy with either of those guys if they were still here in their performance was in St. Louis. So sometimes it becomes a, a bit of a snowball theory that starts throwing in names that don't belong. But I think to me, it boils down to, they got to analyze those trades, not for, not because it's painful to do and, and, and it, you're going to redo them, but because they, they should be able to learn something from them. Why are, you know, it sure seems like the Cardinals place bets on outfielders and they might've placed some bets on some of the wrong ones. Gritchick's an interesting one because you mentioned like he's hit more homers because he's playing more. 
Well, isn't that somewhat what the Cardinals need? Wouldn't wouldn't more homers really help? Yeah, I mean they need power, and and they're they're one of the least powerful teams you know around. But I mean, I just look at you know the other the all encompassing numbers. Grichik has had like one season with an OPS above eight hundred at right. or above eight hundred since he left. Yeah, um, I think you know I think what the Cardinals need is they need power, but they also just need better hitting. You know, it, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be. Like, I'm so frustrated by this conversation. Like, I, I wrote the thing pointing out, hey, teams in the postseason that are hitting more home runs than the other have a winning percentage of like 95 percent. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. You know, brought a lineup into the, the postseason that really, if you look at the power potential, it didn't really belong there. And they did score a ton of runs in their first two games, and then the plug was pulled. And in part because the Padres turned the series on, what do you know, home runs. And people say, well, the Padres are just this home runner bus team, but they're not. I mean, they have a lower strikeout. No, they're not. Yeah. They have a lower strikeout percentage than the Cardinals. They've actually gotten a lot better at at plate discipline and and taking walks when they're there. But when they hit, they do damage. That's the thing about the Cardinals is they're great at taking walks, but when they hit, they don't do very much damage. And, And that's, I think, that's the thing. It's not just go add home runs. It's go add power. Go add, go add doubles, go add a triple here and there, find a way to get some extra bases mixed in. And Grichik would have helped that, but I still think he's more or less the same kind of outfielder the Cardinals, the Cardinals, you know, got frustrated with, um, you know, when they when they had this Tyler O'Neill discussion. Tyler O'Neill has power, but mm-hmm. he doesn't do the other things enough to justify the what happens when there isn't a home run. Yeah. Do you think do you get the sense that the Cardinals chase after themselves you know like you see fernando tatis jr who they didn't sign they signed another shortstop they they scouted tatis jr a lot they made offers to him um, but they didn't rise to the level of the white Sox. and then of course the white Sox did trade him to san diego but then a year later they go and get another wiry um shortstop in delvin perez um you know tatis was thin and you know long and lean and question was would he add size would he add muscle what kind of player would he be was he going to be you know a, 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 was he able going to be able to stick at shortstop was he ever going to hit for power and obviously he's answered all those questions and then the cardinals a year later go and get same kind of guy um you know they have randall grichuk and he has you know a guy that they tra- they go and get because um, you know, of his exit velocity and they think there's more power there and they think that they can untap it with play with uh, playing time. And then they, uh, they don't, or they don't give him playing time or he falls out of favor when it comes to the lineup. And now he's traded and they go get Tyler O'Neill, but to get Tyler O'Neill, they trade a young lefty who goes on to be a part of the Mariners uh, rotation, Marco Gonzalez, who pitches very well, who, the Cardinals and he probably had some mutual fatigue with each other um, in their conversation about his injury and, you know, he, and, and the opportunity he was going to get with the Cardinals. And then a few years later, they go in and they trade an outfielder to get a lefty, which Gonzalez would have been, you know, I mean, it just seems like they, they're, they're, they're chasing after themselves in some way. And I, I wish I had a better way to articulate it. But, you know, they're like, okay, well, we missed on this guy. Well, let's go get a guy who's similar to this. Okay, well, we missed on this guy. Well, let's go get a guy similar to that. Um, All right, well, we missed this guy. Let's trade somebody to go get that guy. And and it's just like moving the needle two years down the road to make the same mistake then. It's kind of like buying stocks, like 
after everybody knows that they're becoming big stocks. Correct. <laughs> you want to yeah. be the guy who buys a stock nobody's ever heard of and then it booms. You know, you don't want to be the guy who's chasing chasing the stock market after everybody else knows because there's a good chance you're going to buy high and it dips. It kind of feels like the Cardinals have been doing a lot of, of buying high. Like they're getting the market report a week after everybody else or something. Um, yeah, there's there's got to be a better way than that to explain it. But but you are you are seeing some of those moves where it's like, man, if they just would have, they're kind of caught in the middle in a lot of ways. But one way they're caught in the middle is they when it comes between doubling down on patience given to a player versus versus shaking things up. Right? They mm-hmm. some some guys are getting too much time. And other guys aren't getting enough, and you know they're they're kind of caught between wanting to give these guys fair chances, but sometimes they're giving them to the players who probably are showing that they don't deserve them. And then meanwhile, the guys they say, "Well, we got to do something. We got to move somebody." They, those guys are the ones who are, you know, at least uh, this postseason coming back to bite them a little bit. It's a it's a conundrum, but I think the you know I think the list is getting long enough where they need to do some sort of audit on, on how they're projecting these guys. You know, they need to do some sort of audit on what in their minds made them say, okay, this is a good deal to trade Marco Gonzalez, even though we're frustrated with them and vice versa at that point to the Mariners for, for Tyler O'Neill. That's, that, that's been a bad trade. I mean, look at what Marco has done for the Mariners. And, and I'm not saying he would have absolutely done that here. You know, I do think there is some degree of of when a guy leaves the Cardinals where prospects are so crowded and they feel like they're constantly, you know, guys have talked about that where they feel like if they made a mistake, they were they were out of the lineup, things like that. Mm-hmm. There is that pressure, and sometimes guys go to other places and and thrive and 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 not so much. But you know, the Yankees, you know, that wasn't Luke Voigt's situation with the Yankees. There's pressure that that's as pressure packed of a of a situation as, as you're going to find. So. I do think the Cardinals have to try to figure out, you know, what are that what are why did they decide what made their decision that Tommy Pham was going to be on the downward slope as soon as he as soon as he left St. Louis and, and do they need to revisit those numbers and you know this should not be those those should not be emotional decisions they should be decisions based on what their data says and what their their front office you know computers and all the all the whiz kids they have in there tell them is going to look this is going to look like. But if they're keeping a list and doing some self-evaluation on some misses, they've got to they've got to look at some things. I mean, it used to be that when a guy left the Cardinals, the guy the Cardinals let walk away, the guy the Cardinals traded away, it was almost like a baseball death sentence. I mean, just nothing good was going to come out of that guy, or else if it was, it was going to be very very streaky and not at all something that Cardinals fans looked back and went, "Oh man, they mm-hmm. missed that guy." But that's not the case right now something's got to be examined. I mean, and yeah, other teams are getting better too. It's not, it's not as if trades are, are one-sided, you know, teams want value. And I think two teams were aware of that trend too. It's, Hey, if you're going to trade with the Cardinals, you better be sure you're going to get something because they, they have a history of winning deals. And, oh yeah, absolutely. Now it's, starting to, now it's starting to level out. Well, other teams, I, you know, I think you go back 15, you know, 10, 15 years, and you could you could identify the teams who weren't doing analytics, right? Who who either had um, ignored it purposefully or were just ham-handed in how they used them. 
and teams like the Rays, teams like the Cardinals, uh, two teams who have long had a history of not doing many trades together because of how frustrated they were with each other um, and now have recently done two trades, uh, you know, one with the fam that got Genesis Cabrera and then this other one that we're talking about where Rosarena and Jose Martinez go to the Rays for Matthew Libertor and a minor league catcher. Um, you know, it, it, it the, those two teams just didn't do de- deals because they saw players so similarly. Their evaluations were so similar. And so they would get into this moment where it's like, well, we just we see no one's going to win this trade. We see everybody the same. No one wants to give up anything. So you move on. It was like David, the annual David Price discussion um, <laughs> of trying to trade for him. So I think there is something to that where, you know, like I said, 10, 15 years ago, there were the teams that were outliers that you could go, okay, well, they're going to, they're going to take advantage of this deal and they're going to get it. Like, you know, you, you don't hear too many Cardinal fans um, reminiscing over the players they traded to Oakland for Matt holiday. Right. Right. Um, you know, Rob Kaminsky returned to the team and that's probably why he's well known for the player that was traded for Brandon Moss. Um, but could you tell me who was traded for Mark DeRosa? Yeah, no clue. Yeah, so, you know, some of this is recency bias, but some of this is also the game has caught up with the Cardinals, which you think back a few years ago, uh, you know, not just caught up with the Cardinals, but you could say caught up and surpassed the Cardinals. You think back a few years ago to when Mosellock was saying he was moving to president of baseball operations. The thing that he wanted to focus on was not the roster, but pushing the team back ahead to, to kind of push it back to the edge and, one of the, you know, a brainchild of that was the performance department and what they were trying to do there. Now, so many things have been thrown off, um, including uh, Mosellock's role, right, in the last year specifically, but over the last few years where, you know, he, he's doing a lot of the general manager things and the, you know, the title's changed, but he hasn't had that real goal of working to find that next edge. Um, they've expanded their staff for sure. But now they're looking at, you know, as a result of COVID and the lack of profits and everything like that, reducing that staff. So, um, you know, you can definitely see how the industry has caught up, recognized, and some teams have surpassed and, and the Cardinals have not. Yeah. And it's and it's a, it's a conversation that will be complicated by what we saw in 2020 with the forces that were in play in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the the thing is, every team though is is experiencing something similar to this. The Cardinals are not an outlier here. However, you know this is a. I, th- I think we have to zoom out when we're having these talks because not only is it the downsizing of of teams due to the, the financial pinch of the virus, everybody should also take a moment to look up and see the road ahead too. Even if there was not a pandemic pushing upon baseball right now, the CBA discussion after the 2021 season is going to impact decisions made it already has we've reached a point where owners are seem more interested in aligning themselves with owners versus in owners versus players than they are beating other owners for a world series i mean the the, the trenches here are being dug and i think we're going to hear a lot of talking points that reflect that wanting to win that fight more than (laughs) just as much as we want to hear about wanting to win baseball in 2021, whatever it looks like. Right. Um, so I, I, I wonder how much just uh, 
you know, some of the things we're going to hear now about, hey, this is going to be very hard. This is this is a really unknown time. How much of that is true? And, and a lot of it is. I mean, they didn't play in front of a fan, you know, until they got to San Diego. And it sounded like fans were there because the Padres opened the suites to, to, to family members. But how much of that is going to be posturing to try to position um, players versus owners for what happens after 2021? Um, right. Based on what we've seen leading up to this, it's not exactly going to be a warm and fuzzy conversation. I'm not exactly sure the pandemic season made these two sides realize they love each other and need each other. It seems like it's done as much as the opposite based off of the contentiousness that was stirred up by just trying to get the teams to the bubble, which everybody should admit was a good idea. And apparently that was a, you know, that was, that was a divisive topic. So I really do fear for what I'm not trying to be doomsday guy, but I do fear for what's going to happen after this 2021 season. And we don't even know what that season looks like yet. It's a very uncertain time, not just for the Cardinals, but for, for all teams. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and what that's going to do to the market is very interesting. And, the question then becomes, can the Cardinals be opportunistic in a market like that? I mean, do you, do you, can you be, if, if teams are limited uh, with their spending for whatever reason, either by choice or by, you know, the recent pandemic or, you know, by the, by the, by the fact that they're laying people off and it maybe isn't the best optics to then go spend millions on a player while laying people off. Uh, you know, is there a place for the Cardinals to find opportunity? Um, you know, you you brought up George Springer in your article at stltoday.com, which I encourage people to go to go read. I mean, it, do you do you there's there's a reason to think that he's a fix all, but that what at what price? Not a fix all. I shouldn't say that. He's a good addition. Um, he certainly fits a lot of places that they could use help. Um, but at what price? What price does that make sense? Well, adding a adding a three time All Star who can crush in October and hit bombs from the leadoff spot is exactly the kind of hitter this lineup could use. Push everybody down. He's not a high strikeout guy. He makes a ton of sense. Um, the dollars and cents it depends on what the Cardinals decide they can spend. I mean, there's there's ways to view this spending this off season, and there's really two ways to go about it. One is teams can say, look, we make a lot of money every year when times are good. We're not making as much now. And times aren't so good, but we're going to use this opportunity in a time where there could be spending uh, paused in a lot of places to go out and improve our team by being one of the few teams that looks to make moves and and investment invest in the in the roster during this time. You know, we talked about stock markets of buying when when things are down is was what a lot of smart people do. However, if teams decide, look, we're not going to spend, we had a bad year. And we're not going to justify a bad year profit-wise with spending more money. That's bad business. Then we're going to see a lot of a lot of kind of smaller moves. Now, the good news for the Cardinals is they tend to be good at those. You know, they look at look at the small. You know, Kim was on a relatively small deal, and look how that mm-hmm. turned out. Look at, at Brad Miller and, and, and what he was able to do for a stretch for the Cardinals. So they they're comfortable in those waters. But and and Springer would be a probably well, he's the most expensive free agent in the outfield this, this off season, but he's not 27 and he's not going to come with that, you know, 10 year automatic contract that Manny Machado and Bryce Harper and some of these other in their prime players had, you know, when you're 31, you're not going to get those kind of deals anymore. Mm-hmm. So it would be a hefty investment and maybe one bigger than the Cardinals feel like they can make this off season considering the circumstances. But 
if the market gets, you know, shaky for him because of, you know, the conversation we're having, then I think, I don't know that there's a team out there that could use that kind of hitter in that position. He can play both. He can play pretty much out, all outfield spots. He, 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 he played, played center. He can play center. He can play anywhere. Um, and, and he can do it from various spots in the lineup. You wouldn't have to hit him lead off, but you could, and you could let him hit lead off with power. The Cardinals have had that look before and it worked out well for him when Matt Carpenter was doing his thing up there. And, uh, and I think he could be a really nice addition um, once people got past the whole Astros drama, which I think if Springer was hitting leadoff for the Cardinals, people could figure out a way to move past it. The question is if the Cardinals, they got a chance the Cardinals can find a way to spend it. <laughs> They'd have to justify the contract, which, you know, based off what we're – we haven't heard the Cardinals weigh in on this offseason yet, um, but I imagine we're going to hear a lot about, you know, the financial limitations they see based off of the season they just had. Sure. Yeah. I think once, just to give some background, I think once people meet George Springer and get to know him, that won't be an issue. The, he's, he's, uh, there's a lot to like about George Springer. If people have a chance to kind of read up on his history and some of the things he's done. And I have, uh, I have a dear friend who, um, you know, Springer who, who, uh, who stutters. Um, and has gone on and talked about that, um, talked about stuttering as a young man and has still done interviews and has been forthright. And um, really before the cheating scandal was one of the guys who you constantly saw up there talking um, for the Astros. And he was over, I mean, he, every time he was doing an interview, he was, he was, uh, you know, what to say. Um, He was addressing and he was attacking and he was facing a fear of public speaking, you know, and, and he was taking care of it. And not only did he do that on his own, but he has done some really remarkable things for some young people who also stutter and has kept up with them and has sought them out. And I mean, I think there's just a real good element there that when you get to know a player um, or when you when a player calls your city home, you know a little bit better than when he's in the other league in another city and you don't see very often. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think Springer's personality would the, you know, when introduced would dismiss any of that Astros funk that, that comes with him just to well, be just offer that as background. That's well said. And I, I appreciate the fact that he was seemed legitimately candid and, 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 and truly, remorseful about 2017 yeah he did Most yeah. Of his teammates have just kind of sneered or smarmed their way through that and now they're throwing it back in people's faces i mean carlos correa would not be a player i mean i just forget cardinals if i was a fan of a baseball team not named the astros but my team went out and brought in carlos correa i don't know that i would love that idea just because of how he's handled himself especially in this postseason this this idea of turning the astros into this um you know, into this underdog team that was had all these haters. Well, yeah, they deserve to have all these haters. <laughs> now, yeah. And Cardinals fans, look, Cardinals fans trying to take the moral high ground here. That doesn't exactly work because, uh, you know, that whole uh, hacking scandal, which has to be brought up when you talk about the Astros. However, the smugness of Correa and, and even Altuve at times has been pretty off-putting. And I think Springer has done a good job of distancing himself from that while, while also not throwing his teammates under the bus. So here's the uh, – so Korea is a good kind of segue to the final thing I want to ask you about. Korea is a free agent after next season. So 
going into the CBA unknown. Um, and he's part of a superstar shortstop class that could include Lindor, Story, and Sager as well. Corey Sager, from who is a remarkable player for the Dodgers. Those four could all hit free agency at the same time, could all be part of a class that is obscured by CBA negotiations and unknown, but also would be another year removed from this zero-ticket sold season. So do you think, Ben, that the Cardinals should hold serve and change themselves a year from now, that they should delay the a radical move Um or do you think they're one move away from improving this and the time is now? I mean, how do you, do, you know, should they, they're not going to do both. They, they have no track record of doing both, but should they find, I mean, is, is it a case of, Hey, look, hit pause, recover, not do much, hold the team they have, rely on pitching, go at it again with this kind of team and then be there for when the new CBA arrives and this possible, uh, you know, um, jackpot of shortstops is available. Uh, I think they've got to figure out. You also got Comforto and Starling Marte at that same class. I think they have to figure out whether or not they're going to, they think there'll be fans in their ballpark in 2021. Um, Because here's the deal. It's not the lunatic fringe that we hear from very often on Twitter. It alone that is, that is getting tired of watching this offense. Um, It's, it's, it's Cardinals fans who spend their money to go to the ballpark and, you know, want to see this team play in person that are getting tired of watching this offense. So I think if you, if you're expecting fans to come back and you're expecting to attract big numbers of folks to the ballpark, even if it's in scaled down crowds, then you as the Cardinals need to give them a reason to want to show up. And, and, and even if it's, you know, pre, if it's still in the midst of a pandemic, even more reason to want to go watch a team. And when the team can't average the national league average of runs, then, then that's not exactly a great selling point. So I don't think the Cardinals, Derek, are all that far off from being a team that can get into the postseason and, and do damage, um, you know, beyond uh, a wild card series. They, they pitch well, they defend well. They've got Paul Goldschmidt, who's as, as good of a hitter as you're going to find in, in the National League, and we'll see what happens with with Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. But they've got to find some way to to make this lineup more of a threat and whether that's free agency, whether that's a trade, they have to put a lineup out there that has a new face or two in it, but also has some more damage to be done unless they're convinced that they're not going to be playing in in front of fans anyway. And they just view 2021 as a, as a repeat because they didn't feel like the 60 game season with the curveball of their shutdown was enough to answer some of these questions. I mean, the alternative, I suppose, would be to do the same thing all over again and sub Lane Thomas healthy for Tyler O'Neill and see if he's the guy. But uh, I, I do think that if fans are going to be involved and considered here, then the Cardinals need to do something to try to come up with a more potent offense. That's about the only thing that they need to look at. They don't need to go out and change pitchers. They don't need to add pitching. They've got pitching coming out of the woodwork. And every time we think they're thin on pitching, some new guy shows up and pitches well. Um, they need to. They need to try to – create some offense and and fans are are rightfully expecting that. And even considering the circumstances, there's got to be ways to do that. Maybe it's not Springer and maybe it's a couple gambles on some, some less prominent names, 
I know you've been Jack doing Peterson. research. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this idea now of, you know, when we've talked to the Cardinals about Peterson in the past, it was always, well, we don't want platoon answers. We want, yeah, well, we want an answer. everyday answers. But here's the thing. If you're not going to go out and spin for an everyday answer, then then why don't you try a platoon? Because at least it would be something different to watch. How about for, just an answer? Or power. How about like, hey, we have platoon questions. We have everyday questions. I mean, the, the, the fact that there's an answer, and I know that like, I know that the few times that a Cardinals executive had listened to this or heard me on the radio say this, they get all, they, they say that I don't get it, but I, I, there's a value in certainty. I'll go, I'll go back to that. Like I'll argue that like a known answer, even like it, like, okay. If you know a guy is going to give you 800 OPS, there, there is a value to that ahead of a guy who might give you 850, right? Like, yes. oh, this guy might hit 20 home runs. Okay, well, this guy does hit 18, has every year. And that kind of consistency, I mean, we heard it over and over and over and over again from Schilt as he, you know, stressed consistency. You know, whether he's talking about pitch, oh, you know, maturing pitcher. Okay, he's finding his way. You know, consistency is the next step. Okay, from a hitter, you know, consistency is the next step. And that's what we ask. Well, consistency has a dollar figure on it. Consistency comes at a cost. And that's because consistency isn't a everyday question. It's an everyday answer or it's a platoon answer. And yeah, you go, okay, well, Jock Peterson doesn't hit against lefties. Well, you know that. So don't start him against lefties, right? Yep. And, and you it, mentioned, like, it's funny that you mentioned that 800 OPS as a number because the Cardinals had two guys who got there this year. One was Goldschmidt and the other was, was barely Brad Miller. And that's it right. on the whole team. Right. Look, yeah. Go look at some of the postseason rosters and see what those guys' OPS was over the course of of the regular season. Or if you feel like 2020 was a crapshoot and it's unfair to use that small of a spectrum, that's fine. Go back to 2019, included in 2020, and then look at the OPS yeah. see and see what the Cardinals are, are working with. That's part of the reason this lineup is struggling. It's doing things that other teams – Paul DeYoung – I think, you know, showed this season that that he's probably in a normal in a in a functioning postseason lineup, Paul DeYoung is your sixth hitter, not your cleanup guy. You know, every that this lineup is full of guys who are being slotted into positions that ask them to do too much. Adding right. some hitters who are capable of those spots would really make the lineup a lot better. And I feel like deja vu, because I know we've had this conversation plenty of yeah. times before, but we're seeing it how many times do you have to see it before you say, Okay, that that's that's true now. Approximately 24. <laughs> is that 2024? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Is that before or after the work stoppage? It's after. I do want to close with this, though. As much as we talked about the offense, and it is an issue, the offense was exposed in game three, but there didn't have to be a game three. The Cardinals did twice lead with four runs in game two and had a chance to close out the Padres and advance there and could not hold back their offense. And once they got ignited, they took off, but the Cardinals still had the lead twice, a four run lead, not even a safe situation twice. And they couldn't close out that game. So it was uh, failures elsewhere to put the offense in position to be exposed again for, you know, it's, it's lack of pop, but yeah. so it was, it was a team effort. No, you're right. And some uncharacteristic defense, at times correct, in the correct. series for a team that plays very well in the bullpen, uh, you know, those two walks from, I know the Giovanni Gallegos home run delivered to uh, 
Fernando Tatis Jr. will be the hit of that series, and it did swing. I mean, we were there. It swung on that. The series swung on that home run, even though it didn't give the Padres a tie game even. Um, but it did swing on it. But the walks before it by Cabrera were huge in the series. And you, mm-hmm. have, to, you have to mention those. But isn't that kind of the nutshell? The Cardinals pitch well. They defend well. But they ask their team to do those things so well all the time that the occasional blip, the occasional letdown in those capacities seems to things – seems to send things spiraling because of the lack of offense. The Padres made up for mistakes. Their their power blotted them out and, and, and put white out on them and allowed them to rewrite the story of that series. The Cardinals have lacked that kind of power now that can that can fix mistakes for, for two seasons and counting. That is well said. That is St. Louis Post-Dispatch Sports columnist Ben Fredrickson. You can find all of his well-said work where he types out things like he just said at stltoday.com and in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. That's also where you can find our ongoing and seemingly constant Cardinals coverage. The season might be over, but the coverage, sir, hasn't ended. Uh, we continue to uh, provide daily coverage of the Cardinals into the offseason and will continue during the offseason. The best podcast in baseball is also available at stltoday.com. You can find a whole bunch of podcasts there, including the one that Ben Fredrickson hosts with Mizzou beat writer Dave Matter, Eye on the Tigers. That's available at stltoday.com. The best podcast in baseball is also available wherever you get your podcasts. You can find it on iTunes, listen to individual episodes, download episodes, subscribe to individual episodes, or not individual, subscribe to the whole thing. Subscribe to the podcast because it's subscriptions that make sponsorships possible and it's sponsorships that's going to make the podcast possible throughout this offseason. Before we go, let me tell people about our sponsor at the best podcast in baseball, Get Organized with Closet by Design of St. Louis. Update your closet, garage, office, pantry, and much, much more. Call 1-800-BY-DESIGN. That's 1-800-BY-DESIGN. 1-800-BY-DESIGN. Closet by Design of St. Louis, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. We have learned a lot in 2020, Ben, about how to do podcasts remotely, so it's a good chance in the offseason to to flex new muscles, right? Yeah, man, we're podcasting pros. No, like uh, Ira Glass. (laughs) I wish I had that. Yeah, I would like to do some podcast storytelling. That'd be fun. Well, for 2021, you can. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be at spring training in like three weeks. That is very optimistic. (laughs) Do you have a guess for what the 2021 season's going to look like? In in like three words. I in three words. Um, I don't, I mean, I, you know, you, 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 you know, the schedule is out. Um, the schedule for spring training is out and I would say both of them are, um, profoundly optimistic. Um, it sure seems like we're going to have spring training in a bubble of some sort, um, really limited number of people. Um, but we'll see, I mean, you know, the, the world has changed so much in the last month. I mean, think of how many things we've learned and we've seen since you and I drove out of Jupiter. That wasn't all that long ago, and it, it doesn't even feel like we're in the same decade um, as far as information goes. So, um, you know, things can change. Our our country is going to change significantly here, regardless of the outcome of the forthcoming election. You know, you just know that that, that seems to be an important moment and inflection point in, in U.S. history, regardless of who wins. Um, you know, and then, of course, you have where the vaccine goes. So, no, I don't have three words. I have a long filibuster that I'm giving right now um, <laughs> that ends with maybe baseball 
having spring in a bubble, um, having a 154 game season, um, having a shorter season. Maybe maybe it doesn't start till Memorial Day season. Um, again, it would be, you know, you could see it really isolated along the shorter travel lines um, where the walls come down between the leagues and you see more of the kind of cross-league play within the, the central divisions within the West. I mean, anything's possible, and I think anything is on the table because, you know, they, they don't want to be stuck with another 60-game schedule. Um, you know, they, they need fans in the stands, even if those fans are the 11,000 that are going to go to the world series, they need that revenue. They need that, that connection with their communities. They need that. And they got to find a way to do that. And it's just unknown as to where our country and where the virus will be. That's 300 words. And when you ask for three, very, very well said and very succinct. Um, I, uh, I just hope that it's, uh, I hope there's good news soon. Yeah, me too. I hope it's normal. I mean, I hope it's normal. I hope. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't How many times have we said that word this season? I, I'm not a. I'm not. A, I like. I. I don't have a problem saying it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody said, "Well, what are the Cardinals going to do this off season?" I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, and you know what? I'm. I'm comfortable saying. I, I don't know I don't because you know why? They know. Well, I was just gonna say I'm comfortable saying I don't know because they, they don't know. They, they don't know. They don't know. They, they, they just don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Happy Friday, everybody. <laughs> Have a good weekend. <laughs> I do know I enjoy chalking with you. Thanks, Ben. See you, brother. Yeah, talk to you soon. <laughs>